Great. So welcome to our talk of the week. I'm here with Mal and we're at Hope Chapel. The piano tune has been tinkling on the piano. I think he might have finished. Otherwise, it's quite a nice bit of background noise of uh, piano tuning. So this is our second second with Mal and uh, Chriselle, but Chriselle's not here, just with Mal this week. I was just telling you our painful story of our piano tuner condemning our piano, playing it once and going, no, forget it. <laughs> brought up pain for me. <laughs> so um, we this is our second uh, week with Mal. And uh, and we've been talking a lot, a lot, haven't we, about community and, and and looking at the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit and how God is in community, and Jesus saying, describing us as his followers, as being like a city on a hill that, that shines in such a way that people see God um, as they see this this community. And uh, he said that the way that you love one another will show the world who I am, that you're my disciples. So we're wanting this 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 year as a church to really grow as a community, and we always, already value what we what we have as hope. And we've seen in in Mount Crusoe and the way that they've done family life over decades now, the the fruits and the life that's been within their family. And we've asked them to track with us this year and and, and coach us as we look to build community within hope. And so we're trying to extract uh, a lot of the goodness and the experience and the wisdom from Mal and Chriselle and to uh, see how we can apply that both to households within hope and also hope as a as a whole church, as, as a gathered church with, through events that we run through the year, having a sort of rhythm and pattern to them, the way in which we, 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 we meet together and our, and our community. We've talked, the word Binster might be familiar to you, or it might not be if you're newer to hope, but we're, we, we feel God speaking to us about, about, um, being a, a, an immersive community that is more than just a Sunday. Uh, Sundays are coming together to worship and celebrate, but also has, uh, has, has a depth of relationship through the week, uh, that, that is sufficient to bring about God's change to the community around us. So that's what we're all about. And we're building on, um, what Mal, uh, brought, Mal Crisell brought last week. And do you want to say anything by way of, Intro where we're going today? Or should yes. I just hand straight over to you? No, no, no. Um, so last week we were um, trying to just raise the issue of who, where Jesus says, who are my family? Who are my mothers and brothers? Uh, those who hear the word of the Lord and put it into practice with me. And just thinking about our circles of who we most do life with, whether that's as a family household, uh, whether that's as uh, friends, as um you know, student community houses, shared houses, or just shared life. Uh, who actually is our oikos? That interesting New Testament word of uh, the challenging thing of the organic church movement challenging me that uh, they think that's expressed by who you connect in with three times a week. If you're really going to say that's who I do life with, who do you most do life with? So I guess that, and from today, I think we're hoping to get into more of the, well, and that's who we're talking about. So beyond gathered church and trying to live life with God as households and through the week, uh, how do we most do that? And in that, we're going to talk about rhythms, I hope. <laughs> Great. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, for what you're, what, you, what you're doing amongst us. And uh, we, we're really expectant that over this, year um, you're going to continue to shape us as a godly community uh, that has a depth and a life in you that will bring uh, hope and goodness to the world around us that's what we're all about we want to see 
as it says in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray through uh, this time now that you speak to us, that you inspire us. And we want to we want to change our lives in response to insights and, and your teaching and, and your words here today. So we, we pray that you shape us as a community. We want to be molded by you. Amen. Amen. Great. You can you can start now, and I'll just interrupt every so often. Great, please interrupt as much as you like. I love a good interrupt. <laughs> We're um, this is more like an ice cream microphone. Okay, thank you very much. So, what we're wanting to focus on is the idea of okay, um, who am I doing life with? How can I intentionally put some structures in place that help? me reflect on and respond to what god is doing with us day to day and how do we include god in the in the day to day um the if you're going to almost start with why i love simon sinek's ted talk and book on start with why um uh i think the why of this the big why is i think god's heart for connection with us. I love the Michelangelo picture of God creator with Adam and the two fingers. Yes. That almost it symbolizes there's a connection. There's, a, there's power. There's life. There's energy. There's something miraculous and energy giving in the, in the connection. I think I'm particularly struck by, um, one, the book that we like to give couples was they get married. Uh, we have a shorthand for which is Kylo and Kylo is keep your love on. And uh, Keep Your Love On is a relationships book um, by Danny Silk and his wife. Uh, but what really struck me was that book was the most popular. Two of my kids, two of my daughters, uh, did Bethel uh, Seminary in the States. And a couple of thousand young adults wanting to go for it with God. Keep Your Love On was the number one uh, most popular book in the whole of the seminary. And I think it's because it's it's basically saying the goal of rela- doing relationships well, and the context is mainly the marriage relationship in that book, and yet it was all single adults going, the principles in here is what we want to live into. Because it's about doing, it, you know, uh, intelligently, um, intentionally doing relationships healthily, and well, and he basically says in the book, there's a very powerful early chapter where he says the goal of relationships is connection. The goal of your marriage, the goal of your parenting, the goal of your key relationship should be connection. And he takes an example, tells an example in the early examples of the book where this couple bring their 17 year old son to see him and say, our son is not relating to us at all. And after a few minutes, he turns to them and says, well, what do you expect? By the way that you relate to each other and almost the, what you've put in place as the culture of how you're relating to each other, you don't look like you're interested in connecting with each other at all. So why would he then have a context to relate to you? And so challenging, but I think the idea of, I love the, what's the big hairy goal? You, uh, uh, you have a BHAG, the big, big hairy audacious goal, uh, of, of your family, of your relationships. And I, I just can't get by it. I think the big hairy audacious goal is connection. So everything that we should be doing and thinking about and putting in place should be facilitating connection in some way. 
And if it's actually doing the opposite, we need to attend to that. So that's the why. And I think this is part part of what I want to want to learn from you, Mal. And I think we'll get into some questions, but but some of the some of the Mal will be sharing quite a few stories uh, about how they have done family life, and we're looking to learn from those how we can do things as a church and as households. And um, I think there's a lot of skills uh, and a sort of ways of relating to people that are probably quite natural and intuitive to you. That so when we there's one particular thing I'm going to ask you a bit about a little bit in a little bit of time around. Um, I want to push back on a bit and say I've, I've tried doing that. <laughs> it hasn't worked. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to pick up from you some of the kind of skills for how you create culture because, I, and I think that's a really. I wonder if for part of us as a church, part of what we're learning here is how do it's, it's kind of like how do we? Yes, we are salt. That is our identity in Christ. But there's also ways that maybe that we can be more salty, or the, or the, where the salt brings culture, brings yeah. flavour. I think you, you, I think that's one of your particular giftings. And one of the things that I want to learn from more about you is how in group settings or wherever I am, wherever we are, do we actually bring that, bring that culture? Anyway, that's a little bit of a tangent, probably. Do, uh, it is a tangent, but shall I go there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, because I would say the number one skill, I think, is learning to ask, not tell. Okay. So, and include that with parents. As parents, it can often be, um, do this. Um, why? Because I said so, or uh, whatever. Rather than uh, that, you're present, interested, and asking and asking questions. So I'm just thinking that. So we're about to start tomorrow. Aaron is um, restarting after a 18 month break. Our soup lunch. Uh, so this is a this is a kind of community rhythm that we have as a church. We're going to get into rhythms in a bit. Yeah. I know, but um, so I'm think I'm kind of picturing how this works in in life. So let's say we're sitting at, we're sitting around this table, it'd probably be about here in the hall. And um, so it's as simple as really, rather than just telling someone about our life, it's it's looking to listen and ask, ask questions. Is that what you mean? Um, I love the word being curious. Huh. Uh, I, are, you curi- are you more curious about what God is doing in somebody else hmm. and drawing out for them what's going on? Okay. So just as a quick, Jesus... Uh, uh, Somebody told me Jesus asked 254 questions hmm. in the new, in the Gospels. So when people come to him with a major issue, um, you know, who do we give money to? Whose face is on this coin? Yeah. He, he gets, he doesn't tell them the simple answer. He actually often answers a question, a question with a question hmm. to draw out your own sense of conviction. And so what's really going on with you there? You know, and where's that trigger? What did that do inside of you? Um, how did that make you feel? What was going on there? Do you think? I wonder why she, I wonder why that child that was mean to you today, I wonder what was going on with them. Hmm. I remember our, our son once when he, he was saying about a kid being horrible at school and I was kind of, oh, I was feeling angry on his behalf and he was going, yeah, but I don't think he's happy at home. I thought, what a mature response. I'm the one as the parent getting angry when it was my role to actually have asked him, what do you think's going on in him for him to be acting out in that way? And helping one another into deeper, almost behind, to get past the presenting issues Mm. to what's really going on and where God's getting our attention. Yeah. Often. I think is I think that's the number one skill, and I think we've often in uh, church world 
have been taught that it's tell, not ask. Hmm. And I think we're in a world about coaching and about coming alongside where it's ask, not tell. And how often I think I've known what's good for you. And if I tell you what to do, I leave really pleased that I know what's good for you. But if you haven't come to own what's good for you, I haven't done my job because I haven't helped you bring come to a place of conviction with the Holy Spirit of what is really going on and what are you going to do about it and who's going to help you and what resources are you going to use and and what time frame do you think you could do that in and what are your expectations of that and where do you hope that will be in a year and all those kind of things for you to own because it's only important that you own it not that I own it and I think I was a really bad Christian leader for a long time because I'd walk away with the answers to this person's problem but they've walked off without any and I yeah. didn't help them into that that conviction so i think it's all questions brilliant you went on that tangent yeah that's good that's good that's helpful i, I got my my, my meal set out now that's good brilliant so if that was the, the the why being the background of the goal is connection um the hows uh i think where i'd hope to get to that we land on today is almost to be thinking about okay if my goal is connection with key people in my life how do I best do that in my day and my week? Who has God given me to connect with? And what rhythms or intentional things do I put in place to allow me to achieve that? And uh, the, Im- the, the image we normally use, if you're kind of doing the, the, the principles behind this, I hope for everything that we do over this journey with you, the thing we can most share is our principles of what we do. Yeah, and then for I think for all of us, it will be, the application of that will look quite different. Yeah. So different stages of life, different living arrangements, the things we do as a gathered church here, the things people do in their homes. Exactly. We're not trying to copy you. No. Um, uh, we're trying to, I guess, get to the guts of why yeah. and what is it and, and, and let's be inspired by your stories and your ideas. And we've done quite a lot of marriage prep and marriage course type stuff and we talk about principles and practicals that these principles we feel are like the skeleton they you could, they're hidden but they're what keeps this thing held together and standing upright the practicals is the outworking of this there's some good practice in there but some of these ideas you may want to completely change because all of it, our skeletons may be similar, but our skin, how we look is based on our surroundings, our personal hygiene, our environment, our heritage, everything. that. So it's going to look uniquely true to you. Um, and what we can most bring, I guess, is some practical ideas and some practicals of this is how we apply this. But the principles, I think, are are consistent because we try and start them with Jesus. I think that's why I really own this stuff. It starts with Jesus. So, okay, that's a principle to start with because I'm with that. I think an, an example of that would be that we talked about Thanksgiving a bit on Sunday here and as, as a festival. I won't go into it now because I don't want to take away too much time from your rhythm stuff, but we've had some good discussion with Hopers since then about a particular, uh, maybe a different angle we can go down as a whole church. We'll come to that maybe on, let's come to that on Sunday. So, but yeah. So, so we have this image, um, laid on top of your beautiful bridge, um, of a railway track going into the future. And how do you create a, a rhythm going forwards? Uh, what we talk about is the two tracks and the sleepers being, uh, something that gives us a route map into the future. 
as we go forwards. And that is the two tracks are the left hand track is basically where am I called to be proactive? Um, sorry, where am I? The first one actually on this is the left hand one is being where am I called to be reactive to where God's getting my attention? Do I have space in my week where I get to respond to what God is doing with me? We base that around Mark one fifteen, where the start of Jesus' ministry, effectively his ministry um, mission statement, Mark one fifteen, very first thing he says after being baptized is um, the kingdom of God is near. So the the rule and reign of God is at hand or literally close by. Um, and then I think he, uh, the time has come and the word he uses for time is kairos, not chronos, chronological time on your watch, but uh, kairos, which is defining event, defining moment uh, that can be positive or negative. And he's talking about the defining moment of all time of the kingdom coming. The, the, you know, the, the kingdom of God is at hand. But then he says that event is then responded to with a process. And the process is repent and believe, which is literally, if you take the Greek, where are you changing your mind and where are you putting your faith into practice? And I think the principle behind this is we're getting context. Almost the principle behind is we're God's always having we're having chirotic moments. We call them <laughs> like God's getting our attention just by I've had a good day. I've had a bad day. I've had this going on. This has really impacted me. Um, I saw a fight outside our house a, a night or two ago. It's really impacted me. And it's like, God, what was that about? As a, and what am I? processing from that where do i need to is there anything you're getting my attention about that i need to respond differently and do i have an environment to do that work to do that mental work especially to put my faith into practice and that's where the asking questions thing is having other people going well what do you think god's saying about that and what are you going to do about it and where does that challenge you and what 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 does it mean to put your faith into practice to literally step out i love the indiana jones the stepping out where it's actually you are that's faith it's stepping out it's not it's not christian faith is not mental assent to truths it's where am i actually um metanoia changing my mind that it then notices in my actions it should notice in your actions so what your how are your actions going to be different otherwise it hasn't happened so that would be the mark one i'm being reactive to where God's getting my attention and what am I going to do about it? And that's huge. The second side, the second rail is um, not where am I being reactive, but where am I being proactive? And the verses we take from that are Luke 17, 1 to 10, where um, Jesus is talking about forgiveness. And um, he then says to his disciples, you know, you, 70 times 7 that that passage and um and their response in verse 5 the apostle says the apostles say to the lord increase our faith effectively whoa this is a hard challenge to actually be able to live with this kind of maturity this kind of commitment to others it, you know even if people are against us 70 times 7 that we have to keep we must keep forgiving them increase our faith and his he tells a story in response that i think is he's giving them a route map because they've just said increase our faith 
And what does Jesus say in response to increase our faith is if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say be uprooted. Great. We know that as a verse. But then he tells a story. And it's suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Does he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. And after that, you eat and drink, servant. Um, will he thank the servant because he did what he was already told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. I think where I find that challenge is the react. If you just live reactive to what the spirit is doing, it can be a roller coaster. You're living on your emotions of highs and lows and trying to respond to what God is doing. But the other rail is what what has the Lord already told you to do? What is it that actually that's the discipline and the structures that you've put into your life as you try to prepare the meal of your life before the Lord and say, I'm only an unworthy servant, only doing my duty of what you've already told me to do. So do I know that God's already told me to connect with him in worship and prayer as a regular rhythm? I know he has. So if I'm not, I know he's already told me to do that. Has he told me to be have have an attitude of goodness and kindness and to remember the poor and to remember the outcast and to live my life in certain ways around that? I know I've already been told to do that. So that rail is more, what have I already been told to do? I don't need a fresh word to be told what I've already been told to do. That side is intentional. The other side, and, and proactive, the other side is reactive. And I think those two keep you almost evenly going into the future. And the third key part of the of this image is the sleepers. Because the sleepers, I think, are what give us a rhythm going forwards of that London to York, London to York, London to York, that the rhythms that just keep us going, that it doesn't matter if we miss a day or a week of that thing that we do because we know we'll pick it up next week because it's our default. Loads of people I know have really good ideas, but they don't put them in as a rhythm so that if they miss a week, it doesn't matter because they'll pick it up again the following week. It's They, they, they say, oh, well, God wasn't with me because I'm, I didn't do it that week rather than I've got a rhythm to live into these things. And rhythms i think is almost what keeps us on track and genesis one would be the start of that the journey from work to rest jesus you know the first day of the week we start as humanity from rest we go out to work and then we come back to rest i'd say there's a flow to our week like a pendulum of adventure to retreat psychologists talk about as the growth of us that it's the journey from rest to to um, to adventure and then retreat back to rest again. So even that idea of how is our rhythm of our week compared with the Sabbath? Do we have it? We've loved John Mark Comer adding fresh flavor to that. The four definitions he has in the Ruthless Elimination book about what does he mean by re- uh, Sabbath as a time where you're supposed to stop so that you know that it's God's grace that gets you through, not your own work, and that you must stop. And we kind of joke that people who haven't learned to put rhythms of Sabbath in, 
God gets all of their rhythms of Sabbath back in on go when they have a breakdown because they yeah. haven't learned rhythm yet. We did a we did a series on this. I think was it 2019, 2018? I forget when. But it was I think for a lot of people within hope that that learning that, that rhythm of work and rest and Sabbath and recognizing that was really really a helpful and weighty teaching. So that's John Mark Comer. If you haven't heard that, uh, he's, he's got a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. We did a, a series on we called them the Practices of Jesus, uh, looking at a lot of these rhythms uh, a few years ago. And that book, I would say, has been the prophetic book of lockdown. It, he also has done a talk about um, being the non-anxious presence and the combination of a, a theology and a praxis of not hurrying combined with being the non-anxious presence in a culture defined more by anxiety than ever. I think he is the prophetic voice in this lock, in what has been our lockdown defined season. I really do. Yeah. But if, so uh, other things we put in there would be say Ecclesiastes three, that thing of there's a time for everything. It's knowing the rhythm of what season you're in. Um, John 15, when we get on to in future months as we journey with you to look at festivals and rites of passage to understand the season you're in that you're responding to a season, but that's a bigger rhythm. Uh, today, I'm hoping that we just hone down on, as a household, what can I intentionally put in place on the proactive side to give space to be reactive in my day and my week of spaces to have a rhythm that keep me conscious of what God is doing in my world? Great. So you're going to get into... Best bit, worst bit? Is that where we're going? Oh, that's the gift that's kept on giving. Okay, I want to interrogate you on that because we haven't found it quite so easy. Okay. Tell us about it. So um, when our kids were really young, um, we wanted to do something around the table that would allow people to, to process their days. And actually, we were informed by the Mark 1 thing of that learning circle of a chance to process your events, to change your mind and put it into practice. So... Um, we started basically doing it as best bit, worst bit. Now, on one level, that's kind of helping them, it's helping our children reflect on their day. And almost like, where is Jesus at work and where is he not? I love John 1, 4 is, in him is life and that life is the light of the world. Even the idea of where is their life? in my light, if my world at the moment, where is their life in what I'm doing? Because normally the things that are going well, you'd say there's energy in this, there's life in it. And therefore I would say there's Jesus. So theologically, when you're talking about what's going well, you're actually pointing to what Jesus is doing. And similarly, when you're saying that's not going well, you're pointing to where the battle is, where the kingdom has not yet come, where Jesus has not yet fully been realized. Yeah, it can be a moment at tea time where the kids say, you know, well, my worst bit was you <laughs> when you, la, 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 la. but actually that's an opportunity to go, well, let's look at that being curious thing, asking more questions of it. And I like that you were saying as well that this wasn't just something you've done with kids, but you know, with adults and students. Right across the board. Give us a little insight into that. Well, we, we found, especially guys in community. I mean, do you know, I think it was some guys in 264 a number of years ago who came and had supper with us. And we did best bit, worst bit. And so just to explain what we do, we go around the table and each person says the best bit of their day and the worst bit. Other families we know have taken this on have called this high lows. So what's been the high of the day and the low of the day? And it's just great to go, even if a child says, my low was school, all of it, 
and my high was coming home. Well, actually, that's quite encouraging because that's saying, where's their life? But again, asking questions, drawing out what's going on a little bit around the, um, and then whoever goes first chooses who's next. And we found that in our, with our children, nobody wanted to be last. And then, uh, we chose whoever was last. We started, they get a song. And the, the, so, uh, um, it's basically, and we still do it. We have a rule actually that it has to be at least more than three people at the table. Cause when it's just three of you, it feels a bit cheesy and embarrassing, <laughs> but we do this thing, which is, um, it's actually taken from finding Nemo <laughs> for some reason, but it's just gone. We're eating here tonight. Oh, we've eaten here tonight. Oh, we've eaten here tonight. And you are awesome. <laughs> and it's just. We've eaten here tonight and you are awesome. So they get a little song and then we might have a second verse, which comes a football chant or blah, blah, blah. Um, and then they do their best bit, worst bit. And then they go first the following night. So whoever was last, last that goes first the next time we do it. We may miss a couple of nights a week. But we found this to be a gift that keeps on giving. We've been doing this for 25 years and it's amazing. And I think we've watched students, all generations that, that we've had two short term foster children with us last week and they've never done anything like this. They're extremely fussy eaters who didn't like being at the table, but they were, can we do best bit, worst bit? And just to watch them they were eight and 12 and watch them get the reflecting on their life and what's going on. And now that our children are a bit older, when it was primary school ages, we just did best bit, worst bit. Once they got a bit older, we wanted to reinforce a couple of other things. Actually, especially in lockdown, we did this. Um, we've done uh, best bit, worst bit. What have you learned and who's been kind to you? And that's what we still so do. Are, so those are some great questions, aren't they? I'm thinking, you know, on our sort of principle of not just trying to copy the way you do things, but reinvent them in our, be inspired and look to do it in our own setting, in our own style. I'm, I've got, I've got the soup here on a Wednesday in my mind. And I'm thinking that can be often if you sit next to someone you haven't met before and, and it's hard to, you're looking for, a, looking for something to say, aren't you? And you're kind of like, okay, where do, where do I start? Is there something in common? Can we connect over sport or whatever? But maybe that, that question can be, a, you know, that thing about let's, let's be curious like Jesus, let's ask questions. Those, those are two, you know, what's been the best thing of your day? What's been the worst thing of your day? Oh. Is it, and, and then, but the other thing I wanted to push back on was what, yeah, what do you get when you just get like a, um, a sort of a, a lack of interest in the answer? And I guess, you know, you, you, you talked about, we talked a bit about building, how do we build culture within our environment wherever we are? But, yeah. uh, but let's say, I know, uh, let's say, Mal, you, you asked me, what's the best bit? What's the worst bit of my day? And, and I was like, nothing really. It's just been a fairly standard day. How do you respond? <laughs> Great. You've got nothing to say. <laughs> Who do you choose? Okay. So you just move on. If uh, you haven't got some magic potion that you kind of, if somebody, or some special way that you can. There may well have been when they came through the door looking really, really angry and threw their bag across the room. It would be, you know, let's say it was, I hate science. Yeah. So it's like, well, wasn't science your worst bit? Yeah, it was. Because as in the question unopens the, from what I could see, I, I think what, if you watch Jethro with Moses in Exodus 18, he, he gives advice to Moses only after he's watched him for a day. 
and he's observed and he's effectively saying, this is what I observe. And often I think your questions are, well, this is what I've observed. So, well, I'd observe, you know, your worst bit was science. And normally then that question is just unleashing the, oh, yeah, I hate my science teacher, blah, 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 and then they're off. And so I think it's often the question out of your own observations to unlock something in that in that moment. And it can take some time just to as we I don't think we are used it's a problem because I think this is central to discipleship yeah. that we're not used to doing a reflected life. Mm. So we're doing something theologically incredibly profound to actually be encouraging a reflective life. I think as you were speaking there at the beginning when you started off I I hadn't actually thought of best bit worst bit within that lens of this is discipleship. This is that like your train tracks thing. This is the track of what's how's God getting my attention today. I thought we were just sharing something, you know, sharing something from my day. But actually, that's what they think. That, but actually, but actually it's, like, really it's richer than that, isn't it? Yeah, it is richer yeah. than that. And that's and what's so great about that is that's a community um, living life with God, and it's not just, and which is what we're all about, isn't it? <laughs> and again, I don't think it just has to be those two questions. I think they are brilliant unpacking questions. If you um, I don't know if you, uh, I would really recommend there's a TED talk video on, um, a hundred days of rejection where this, uh, this Chinese guy called Jia Jiang commits to, um, a hundred days of rejection and he does some hysterical challenges of trying to be rejected each day and what does he learn? Now, one level, if you feel initially rejected as a parent doing this, one of his number one thing is, um, he, so he thinks like he, he asked to be a greeter at Starbucks and they say, what? Why? And he says, you, you, you ignore their first rejection and just say that you're there and ask again. And that's the number one thing he learned was by staying and asking again. The great majority of people then created a breakthrough and said, okay, if you want to stand at the door in Starbucks and welcome people in, you're welcome. He turned up in full football kit in some, at somebody's door and said, can I play soccer in your backyard? And with a guy, what? And then when he asked, but why not? And they went, yeah, okay, sure, come in. And they ended up through that. It's it's a really fascinating TED talk, but it's the idea of you stay present through the initial reaction and keep asking, and to if you want to get breakthrough, and I think it's and obviously I think we now have done the hard yards, so it's it's much much easier once you're past that initial stage, but it's incredibly theologically rich, incredibly because if you're really processing, if somebody's had quite a significant kairos where God's really got their attention about maybe an area where they know that they, they, they're called to compassion and maybe make a response to hear that in them. And then what am I, what does that do in me that I want to do in my life that I think I'm maybe, you know, again, it's asking follow-up questions about what does that do in you? And you may have other, our questions around, I think we took them from a, the doctor, Chatterjee, the kind of health guru guy who did a few questions with his family. But we've loved the, what have you learned today? And what have you, who's been kind to you? Because I think we've wanted to reinforce kindness in our, in our household. So we ask the question because it's the thing we want to reinforce. 
And the second one about who's uh, what have you learned is during lockdown, uh, our our kids were awful at engaging with school, like absolute minimum. So to actually almost force all of us to go, what have you most learned today has made us almost say that learning and being proactive and our education is our own responsibility when school maybe is off the boil a bit when it's not completing the the learning the communication loop was our uh, son's experience particularly then it's it's creating the environment to unpack that area so your questions for your household may be different but the best bit worst bit almost core has been Absolutely. It is almost just a little snapshot of, yeah, that is what God's, and it's just almost to remind yourself in the Lord, you know, what has God been doing? Well, he has done, been doing that. We had an amazing treat last weekend where somebody gave us a hotel room uh, in Bath and our best bit, worst bit last night as a family, um, normally the best bit, worst bit only covers the last 24 hours. But I'd actually written to them to give thanks, uh, to say thank you to the guys who'd given it to us. And the, the guy who replied said, you know, it really gives me joy that you have, have what you've experienced gives me joy what I've just given. And this guy's a millionaire. And that was my best bit yesterday was the email reply from this guy. But the the family, we were still kind of almost bragging on. I'm still glowing in the this crazy kindness of God to us of last weekend where we got to stay in a posh hotel and be in an outdoor spa under the stars as family. And it was mad. But we're still processing it as almost best bit, even beyond that day. But normally it's the previous 24 hours. Brilliant. Thanks, Mel. I think we better come into Len. In a minute, I'm just going to ask you for any concluding thoughts. But um, as always, we have these talks. And I think whenever we listen to someone unpacking the Bible and, 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 teach, and teaching us, you know, all of us will be probably learning different things. And the Holy Spirit will be highlighting different things to us. Uh, some of the things that I think are, are drawing out here are, are actually for each one of us, every one of us, whatever our, our sort of living arrangements are, whatever the, what the different places and settings where we meet with other people are, I think there's a real um, uh, encouragement coming through here that we are really significant and we are, we are, we are salt. We are the thing that, that, that brings, that has the potential to bring the flavor of Jesus um, into that community setting, wherever it's just a, Maybe a walk we take regularly with one other person. Maybe it's a maybe it's a, a household meal that you have with others who live with you. Um, but there's and, and, and the but the encouragement here is that that we're significant and what we can bring um, uh, just through simple questions um, is is an opportunity to grow in uh, in Jesus together, whether we're Christians or not um, or not yet. You know that there's there's that there's that call and that inspiration to us and. Totally. Amen. And do you know what I think you're doing? You're prophetically calling out life. Every time you're asking a question that you actually identify, you're finding out where Jesus is at work. And you may not say it that way. You just might call it life or energy, but you're calling out what God is doing. And I love that um, Bill Johnson in his book, Encouraging Yourself in the Lord, says if there's 10 things going on in your life and nine of them are bad, 
encouraging is to focus on the one strengthening that, yourself in the Lord. Strengthening yourself in yeah. the Lord. Yeah, is that is the one thing that you can't deny that Jesus is doing. Now that's for yourself, but when you were doing it to one another, we're actually almost creating faith by saying, I'm focusing on what Jesus is doing, not what he isn't. And, and he says, all bad theology is explaining what Jesus isn't doing. It's really easy to focus on what Jesus isn't doing. But if we focus on what he is doing, we're drawing out. That's where the life is. That's where energy is. That's where it's, we're declaring over people, wherever their faith environment, where we see Jesus at work with them. But we might just say, I see a, there's life in that, isn't there? But actually we're saying there's Jesus in that, isn't there? Because yeah. in him is life. Brilliant. Well, we'll finish there. And this is what's so great is that this is a really live journey. We're taking a year to track with Marilyn Crisell and, and absorb this. I love the fact that the Thanksgiving question came up, the discussion came up after last Sunday, and we can keep on tracking with that. This is all a learning journey. And uh, so just want to pray again. Can I just say for yeah. Sunday, yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that we talked about the rhythm of the day. And for me, that rhythm of the day is what have I been told to do? I need somewhere where I connect in with God, whether that's Chriselle or uh, with Chriselle or on my own. You know, what's my rhythm of connection with God? What's my rhythm of touching in with Chriselle, which for us is normally cup of tea time? And what's my rhythm of touching in with family, which normally for us is the evening meal and where we do best bit, worst bit. But And that would be the constant, that's the daily connection. What we haven't talked at all about, which I'm assuming we'll get more into at the weekend on Sunday, is the rhythm of the week. Yeah, and I'd like, yeah, so, and I'm conscious of rhythms that we have as a, as Hope Chapel as well, like our monthly rhythm of 24 hour prayer and sending out, and soup run, soup runs going out tomorrow night, so a monthly pattern of serving the poor, weekly, um, mm. weekly, uh, soup here, and then on Sundays our getting togethers, yeah, and, and, and we want to build more of these rhythms as well, you know. So, uh, but even think about what is your practical rhythms, what is your spiritual rhythms, and what's your relational rhythms. So I'm going home now to go and do house help hour, with my family because everybody's living with us in every any season we have an agreed everybody contributes to the house with house help power so we're doing, we're doing you're the on hoover. the hoover yeah yeah great and then, but then it's the connection and it doesn't matter if we miss it for a week hmm. it's the fact that the hoovering will have to get done at some point yeah and having the rhythm of it and then those other connection points where we'll we look at for us date night family night business time um, those uh, our key relational connection points in the weekend, and what the chuff do we we mean by Sabbath? Yeah, we'll get into those at the weekend. I hope of great the, of the rhythms for the week. Cool, thanks, Mel. And uh, Lord, we just say again, we we, uh, we pray that you lead us and you, you you feed us through what's been said. We we pray that you bring to mind and and help particular bits of this um, teaching uh, stick in our heads and and come back to us. And uh, and we just say again, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.